The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. So this morning, we're in Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to be reading verses 21 to 31. So Isaiah 40, 21 to 31. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It's he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Oh God, we're here in church on Sunday because we didn't make ourselves. You are our creator. We're here in front of your word because we don't know how to live without you. We were made to live in active dependence on you. This is your world, not ours. And we need instructions. We need guidance. We need wisdom. And more than anything, oh God, we need a fresh vision of who you are. Lord, there's almost nothing in our week that reminds us that you're the one who sits above the circle of the earth. You're the one who holds all things together by the word of your power. We need that reminder and encouragement this morning. And oh God, we're praying because we know that you love to give strength to the weak and the weary. And we qualify. So help, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Please don't answer. Question is, who loves to wait? Who loves just 
Don't you, who loves being stuck in traffic? Like who loves lines at the airport? And you know, Amazon isn't helping. Like, do you want it at 10 to 2 this afternoon or 2 to 6? Like, I have to wait till 6? Come on. Like, who loves to wait? I, I, I read an article in last Sunday's paper. You know, a week ago yesterday was the coronation of, of King Charles, right? And the first line of the article was, after the longest wait ever, King Charles III finally sat on his coronation chair. If you follow British monarchy things, this guy's been waiting for 30, 40, 50 years. It was like his mother was never going to die. And he finally got to be king. Waiting is part of life, isn't it? It's part of living in a fallen world. So I wonder this morning, and have even touched on that a little earlier during the singing time, I wonder, just, just let's bring this home personally. Just think for yourself this morning. What are you waiting for today? Maybe you're waiting for something fun like vacation. Or maybe you're waiting to get through school or your financial situation to improve. Maybe you're waiting for those just small indignities of life to end. We have a friend who recently had a miscarriage. She needed to go into the doctor. She went into the doctor's office. And as she's, she's in the office, the nice lady at the desk didn't know why she was there and said, oh, while you're here, do you want to schedule your 12-week checkup? Just She didn't mean anything by it, but that's what life can be like. Maybe you're waiting to get through a season of anxiety or depression. Maybe, as we talked about yesterday in our seminar, you're waiting for children to come to faith in Christ. Maybe you're just waiting for an end to all the bad news. Shootings, tornadoes, rapes, scams, cancer, all that's wrong. Maybe you're waiting for the nations to be glad in Jesus Christ. How can we wait well when waiting is hard? How do you wait well when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're exhausted? Remember a checkup I had with the optometrist not too long ago, and she just made the comment. I was asking her how she's doing, and she said, every single person I talked to last week was tired. Just her experience. How can we wait well when things are not the way they're supposed to be? And you've probably figured this out when you don't have the power and control to change all the things that you'd like to change. How do we wait then? Isaiah 40 serves up this wonderful, life-changing answer. Do you know what we need most when we need to wait? More than anything, we need a fresh vision of the greatness of God. We need to see. Isaiah puts it this way, behold your God. I wonder though, how many people would diagnose this as their problem? Do you understand that for, for many of us and for many of our problems, the greatest thing and the most important thing that we need is a fresh vision of the greatness of God. Seeing God 
in who he truly is can be the cure for 10,000 ills. But not many of us would diagnose the problem as needing that kind of prescription. So this morning, I just simply hope this passage will help you behold your God. Isaiah 40 boldly paints the picture of God the creator. We, we are Christians. We love the cross. We love the person and work of Christ. We love knowing God the redeemer, and so we should. But God is also the creator. And throughout scripture, he continues to remind us that he is the creator. And as the creator, he's here with infinite power to renew the strength of all who wait for him. Here is the simple and wonderful promise of verse 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It's counterintuitive. It's not how we think life works. And so I wonder this morning, would you, as you're sitting here, self-identify as someone who needs new strength? Would you see that in yourself? If you do, you're in a great place, and this is going to help you. If you don't, you're in a great place because even if you don't see yourself in that sort of place of weakness and need right now, you've probably got friends, family members, coworkers, people sitting right near you who are in that place. So hang on to this. One, uh, one author I wrote put it this way. Maybe this will stick with you as it did with me. Waiting is what faith does before God's answer shows up, right? Waiting is what faith does before God's answer shows up. So God's promise to you today is that if you will wait for him, you will find a resource of new strength. He is here to persuade us this morning to wait upon him for the resources that we need to live in the way that he's called us to live. Waiting isn't passive. It's not just sitting on the couch hoping something good will happen. Waiting is actively trusting God. Waiting is living confidently in his promises. Waiting is resting in who he is and doing what he's given us to do and trusting him for what we can't accomplish on our own. Waiting is eagerly looking forward with hope to see how God provides what you need when you see it. Waiting is what faith does before God's answer shows up. So let's Let's see how this works out this morning, and particularly, let's see God as revealed to us in Isaiah chapter 40. We're just going to take this little section in, in three chunks. First, wait for the God who sits above the circle of the earth. I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open or keep your screens on, however you're getting access to these words. Verse 21, do you not know, have you not do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? 
Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Okay, so here's the situation. Isaiah is writing 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene. The king, Hezekiah, who was generally a pretty good king, he did a really stupid thing. When the Babylonians came, he showed all, their, all his treasure and all his armory and everything to them. It's like showing an alligator the steak in your refrigerator. It's generally not a good idea to do that. And so Isaiah is telling Hezekiah that was really foolish and, and God's judgment is coming and we're going to be wiped out. Hezekiah's pride coupled with centuries of Israel's rebellion against God, means that, that this jewel in their crown, the, the, the city of Jerusalem, is going to be wiped out, and the people are going to be moved in exile to Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. So imagine if you're one of the people of the city, where is God in all this? Where is help in all of this? And here's the answer that, that Isaiah is, 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 is being inspired by God to give. God is present to comfort and strengthen those who wait on him, but they will only access that comfort and strength through seeing. They must behold their God. So verse 21, he says, aren't you paying attention? Have you forgotten? And then verse 22 it's God who sits above the circle of the earth and the inhabitants are like grasshoppers. So a couple of days ago, Leslie and I flew here from Dulles to in Washington, D.C. To, to San Diego. And we're looking down from the, on the circle of the earth and we're seeing these little tiny things that are mountains and cities. And every once in a while, if we're low enough, we can even see a car. The inhabitants are like grasshoppers. And who are these grasshoppers that he's referring to? says in verse 23, God brings princes to nothing and he makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. He says, scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Now you live in the perfect place to appreciate exactly what he's talking about here because your climate is like their climate. He's saying, first of all, these insignificant little grasshoppers, they're the most powerful and rich and famous people there are. King Nebuchadnezzar. Mordecai, who was going to try to kill all the Jewish people. And so we might think, who are those people today? Who are the people that wield all the power, that have all the authority, that are, make, that are all, doing all the influencing? Presidents. Dictators, movie stars, tech billionaires. Maybe it's that manager at work who has it in for you. Maybe it's that person who's bullying you online. And you know what God is saying about those people? They're like grasshoppers. Nothing. From God's perspective, they're as powerful and permanent as those super blooms that were blooming and now they're already fading or the weeds that are growing in Colin and Amanda's yard <laughs> that were blooming and now they're already dying. 
And he's saying, that's what the most powerful people on earth are like in his perspective. That's it. Gone. Oh, people of God, play the long game. Wait for the God who creates all and sustains all and guides all to the appointed end of his glory and his people's good. Wait for the God who sits above the circle of the earth. And then he shifts it a little bit in verse 25. It says, wait for the God who names the stars. Verse 25, look there with me, please. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Who created what? What do you see when you look up? Well, during the day, you, don't, you might see some clouds, blue sky, maybe the sun. But he's saying, look up at night and he brings out their host by number, calling them by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. How can we understand God? You can't understand God by comparing him to the best person you've, you've ever met and then just going a little farther. That, that, that won't get you there. Can't understand God by creating an idol in your own image. That's dealt with earlier in the chapter. He said, if you want to understand God, well, here's, here's one method you might try. Go outside at night. And remember, this is a time when there's no light pollution, right? So they can see clearly, right? And look up at the stars and just, just think a little bit. Like, how'd they get there? Could an accident have produced that? So God creates them, and he, he brings them out by number. Can you, can you move from creation to creator? We're not trained to do that in the world we live in. We're, we're, we're trained to move from creation to natural laws and science, evolution. We're here by accident. We're here by random chance and mutation. You say, no, no, no. There's a, there's a personal being who calls them out by number. He knows each one by name. Behold your God. I want you to just think about this for, for a moment. How fast are you moving right now? You don't feel like you're moving very fast. You're just sitting here, right? We're on an earth that's spinning on its axis at about 1,000 miles an hour. We're rotating around the sun, and we're moving about 67,000 miles an hour while we're doing that. So that's all happening to you right now. So do you know what that means? That means there's more going on than you realize, right? Because those are facts, scientifically provable facts, but you don't feel it, so you have to take it by faith, right? So there's always more going on than we realize. But let's just start thinking about this, this sun that our planet is spinning around. Our sun is just an average sort of star. It's nothing special in the Milky Way. And the Milky Way has, by some estimates, 100 billion stars. There's, there's, our, there's our galaxy, 100 billion stars. Now, the Milky Way isn't the only galaxy. There's other galaxies. Any guesses how many? By some estimates, 
that little galaxy with 100 billion stars is part of 100 billion galaxies. And the Hubble and then the Webb telescope are helping us get some views. Can we do the next one too? Isn't that stunning? There's a lot of stars out there. 100 billion galaxies, 100 billion stars. Hear this. Have you not heard? Because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Isn't that great? Have you ever gone to work one day and somebody who was supposed to be there didn't show up? Somebody was missing? Kind of a bummer, isn't it? Like you can't get done what you need to get. Like what if like there was one day, oh, the sun's missing. Darn. Like, that would be kind of a problem, wouldn't it? Oh, the earth is missing. Oops. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. No, like, not one is missing. So I just want you to look at those stars from our galaxy. Every single one has a name. And God knows those names. And every single one is where it's supposed to be every day, all the time. Now, shift from looking at that and just look around the room and say, if he can keep track of 100 billion stars, can he keep track of you? What kind of a God is this? The, re the creation reveals the greatness of the creator. And now ponder this. The God who made that the God who sits above the circle of the earth, the God who calls them out by name, the God who says everything compared to me, they're like grasshoppers. They're like little California poppies here today, gone tomorrow. One day, he becomes one of us. Verse 3 of the chapter that we're reading, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And 700 years later, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he says those very words, and who comes behind him? The creator, the one by whom and through whom all things were made, the one who sits above the circle of the earth, he leaves his perch above the circle of the earth and adds humanity to his divinity and is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffers under Pontius Pilate. He's crucified, died, and buried. Why? Why? So that your name could be on that Redeemer's lips as your great high priest as he intercedes for you, as he's doing right now, so that you could be delivered from all the brokenness and fallenness of your sin in this world and brought into a new creation and a new heaven and an earth. Oh, brothers and sisters, behold your God. That's who we're worshiping here today. The one through whom all things were made becomes part of the creation for us 
and for our salvation. How can this be? His name is Jesus. One day he stood and looked at those stars that he'd made so he could gather to himself a people from every nation and tribe and tongue. Save us from our sins and bring us into new life. And if you don't know this Jesus Christ, you can, through repenting of your sins and turning to him to give you new life and new strength. That's our God. Now, with that in mind, wait for the God who gives new strength. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? You ever have those feelings? You ever say those kinds of things? Or maybe you're afraid to say them because you know you're not really supposed to, but they're there anyway. Where's God? He doesn't seem to know what's going on with me. Things seem to go okay with other people but not with me. How come my prayers don't get answered? How come things don't go the way I want them to go? Do you know when we're in trouble, and Israel was in trouble with a capital T here in this chapter. When we're in trouble, we can have this tendency to think that because we're in trouble, God has disregarded us. God's no longer there. God doesn't care about us. So Israel's saying, God, you're not there for us. Where do, you, where do you look around today and just think, I don't have the resources to do what I need to do? Can't do what's coming tomorrow. I can't deal with what's in front of me right now. It might be massive, and it just might be another tedious day at work. I, I don't want to do that again tomorrow. This is where he wants to meet us. Tuesday, Les and I are getting on a plane. We're flying to Tokyo, get to spend a week with Seda and Emma. It's going to be great. We're excited. But we're not spring chickens anymore. And it's a long way over there. It's a 16-hour time change. We have a week there. And I'm honestly, I'm a little anxious because I don't want to just spend the whole time trying to sleep and recover from jet lag and maybe get sick and be of no use. And like, what was that trip all about? I feel my weakness. Looking ahead, how, how can I find hope in that? God's saying to Mark right here, Mark, remember who I am. Remember who I am. My way is not hidden from God. Have you not known, verse 28, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So what? Here's what. He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. With whose strength? the strength that comes from the one who never gets weary and exhausted. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Don't you love watching 
hawks and eagles and even turkey vultures. Like, they're not working hard up there. They're just spreading their wings out, and that looks like so much fun. They're not grinding it out and sweating it out. They're just, and so we're going to be like that. Mount up with wings like eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. You know what God is saying to us when we're weary, weak, and especially fearful or despairing in light of that? He's saying, hey, wait a second. Haven't you been listening? Have you forgotten? Kings and presidents, they come and go. Nations rise and fall. What doesn't change? God doesn't change. He never gets tired. He doesn't need a nap. He's never confused. He's, he never goes through a situation and says, oh, wish I'd thought of that. That would have been a better way to deal with it. No, his understanding is unsearchable. Hear this. God always knows what to do, and he always has the power to do it, and he always accomplishes what he sets out to do. Always. God is committed to being a good shepherd for his people. Verse 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. Who's that? The one who sits above the circle of the earth. He'll tend his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs in his arms. He'll carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So here's the promise. If you're weak and weary and uncertain or confused, you are not disqualified from being loved by God. In fact, you're in the perfect place. Hold your applause because I know how much you love being weak, weary, and confused. Just like me. We hate that, right? But God knows that when we're weak, weary, and confused, we'll set aside our self-sufficiency and independence and live the way we were designed to live, experiencing his power in extraordinary and supernatural ways. Do you know that what God gives you to do in your life is intended and designed by him to be impossible for you to do? Do you know that? That's part of the deal. You cannot follow Jesus Christ and fulfill his call and commands in your life on your own. You can't do it. You must have help from outside yourself or by the power of the Holy Spirit from inside yourself. And so I love this illustration. He says, when... Youths faint and grow weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Like, think of the, like the greatest, most powerful, like the, the Navy SEALs, you know, Olympic athletes. When they can't make it anymore, these, these old, weak, weary Christians are just going to keep going, keep going, and keep going. Because we've got a resource that no other human beings have. I love this picture that I saw from the Winter Olympics. This is Jessie Diggins. This is the women's cross-country ski race. She won the silver medal, and this is what she looked like when she finished. 
Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. How? Behold your God. You can't do what you must do without God's empowering presence. And so there's this second picture that I just love. Somebody came and helped her. Her coach came out and lifted her up. Do you know that being unable to live life in God's kingdom without his assistance isn't a result of the fall? That's the design from the beginning. Genesis 1 and 2, we were designed to live in an active, dependent, life-giving relationship with God, and that has never changed. And I just love this picture. Instead of her being there on her own, trying to just suck it up and get up after, after she fell down, she's got this coach, this partner that's picking her up. Waiting is what faith does before God's answer shows up. So she did the best she could, fell down, help is coming. So where are you today? What's in front of you that seems so difficult? I want to encourage you, with the help of the God who sits above the circle of the earth, take the next step. Get out of bed for another day. Bear the fruit of the Spirit a little more. Endure. Persevere. Keep going. Weaknesses and limitations and suffering and trouble, we don't like these things. We want victory and easy and comfortable. And God says, that's nice, but that's not how my kingdom works. God says, I'll take your weakness and that is going to be the place where you're going to meet with me for the sweetest communion you've ever had. Do you know that? How many times have you heard somebody give a testimony about, you name it, cancer, family disasters, financial disasters, and, and, and they say something like this, I wouldn't wish this on anybody else, and I'd never want to go through this again, but I wouldn't trade it in for anything. Why do people say that? Why do you say that when those things happen? Because God meets us in our weakness and intentionally designs those places for communion with him. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect where? In weakness. We don't like the system but oh, how we love the outcome. So are you weary today? Are you exhausted? You're just the kind of person God is looking for to meet here today. Where is your how long, oh Lord? Is it grief? Lost someone you love. Is it the diapers on Mother's Day? that you know are going to be there to do again. Maybe on Mother's Day you're really lonely. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's a job that you really detest and it's just boring and tedious and going nowhere. Maybe you're struggling to overcome an addiction. 
where there's a pattern of sin that you just can't seem to get over. Maybe you're in a relationship that's so broken, you just can't imagine how it could ever be fixed. Where's God? He hasn't lost track of you. That experience that you're in is not a sign that God doesn't love you and care for you anymore. Don't misread it. Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If you're caught in a pattern of sin, it's not too late to repent and turn. And if you're doing the best you can and you're just in a place of weakness, hear this again. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So brothers and sisters, may we wait like Mary, Jesus' mother. Remember how she pondered God's words and held on to those promises and tried to mix them with faith? May we wait this Mother's Day like Hannah in the Old Testament, praying fervent prayers for what seemed impossible to the God who does the impossible. Like Joseph in prison, may we remember that God is with us right here. And may we faithfully serve him day by day, even when it's grim. Like Sarah and Abraham, may we wait for God to do what he promised. And like Sarah and Abraham, won't we laugh for joy when he comes through and does what he says? What are you waiting for? I want to just encourage you this morning, press into communion with this great God who never grows weary, never faints. I want to encourage you this morning, get your Bibles open and come to him for new strength. Open up your heart to him. Tell him all your troubles. You won't tell him anything that he doesn't already know about you anyway. I want to encourage you to open your life up to someone else. Bring someone else in to your weakness and weariness. I want to encourage you to open up your eyes to people around you who have no hope of a God like this. Can you picture once more that, that last image of all the, um, the so, no, let's do the stars, the, um, all those stars. And I want to just take you in a different direction. Remember in Genesis 15, you remember what God says to Abraham? He doesn't have any kids. You can have offspring like the stars. You know, some of those stars are your neighbors and your coworkers people that you're going to bump into this week, and they don't know this God yet. And he's on a mission to make himself known and to be a great redeemer, and you are part of that. That's what he's up to in your lives this week. Now we can go back to Jesse Diggins, thanks. So when she collapsed and was exhausted and spent, 
Did you notice that little red line? You know what that is? That's the finish line. She finished the race. She made it. Brothers and sisters, let's finish the race. We don't know how many days we have. None of us. We have today. So fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Wait on the Lord. And no matter where you are, it's too soon to quit. Are you weird and tired? Behold your God. And won't it be great one day if all we can do is fall over the finish line for that great cloud of witnesses to be there and scoop us up and be in God's presence in a new creation. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Grace Church, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking not to Jesse Diggins, but to Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for this wonderful Lord's Day. And I pray that you would enable each one of us in a personal way to behold you, to lay hold of you, to be laid hold of by you, and to press on with new strength for another day and another day after that till we come to the end of our race. And I pray that you would send this church out into the world with hope of a great creator and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.